Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And I'm Jim. And this is Zenith that Podcast, where we all die, because this week we watched Blake. <laughs> Written by Chris Boucher. <laughs> Directed by Mary Ridge. And aired on December 21st, 1981. <laughs> what, what a Christmas treat for us all. Yeah, what, a, what a Christmas treat. I think this is going to go out on the... 26th? No, no, 20, no, no, no 24th. 20th. Christmas Eve. Huh, okay, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> What dates uh, are anymore? Well, actually, no. This actually, hang on. Wait, fifteen? No, it's going to go out on. This Christmas. is going to go out on Christmas. Heck yeah, Christmas treat. Everybody's dead. <laughs> <laughs> they should have all worn Santa hats in this episode, preempting, you know, this podcast forty years later. We should have worn Santa hats <laughs> during this episode. No, don't reveal that we're not. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Jim is. Maybe Jim is. It's true. Maybe Jim oh, is. I'm wearing two Santa hats. <laughs> Whoa. Advanced Santa hat <laughs> level tactics. <laughs> Santa hat stacking. Right, so we're joined this week by Jim uh, of the Crinoid podcast on Doctor Who and uh, of no podcast on Blake 7. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, in, fair point. In, in five or six years' time, when uh, the Crinoid podcast is uh, destined to finish, when we've covered all the classic Doctor Who stories, we are very likely to go on to do a Blake 7 one. Well, that's huh. exciting. Mm, so there you go. Well, when you get there, and if you're ever looking for anybody to be on, <laughs> shoot yeah. us an email. Now that we're seasoned. <laughs> I can think of a couple of people already who might be interested. <laughs> There could never be enough Blake 7 podcasts in this world. Well, there aren't many, are there? And they, they'll all finish by the time we, you know, by several years before, by the time we do ours. That's yeah. right. I yeah. think well, I mean, I think. Down and Safe still probably won't <laughs> put out an episode. And- <laughs> yeah, we might get started before they get to the next episode. That's right. <laughs> I think they're going on almost a year now. Over almost over, two years. Two almost years. two years, because yeah. it was already almost started, a year when like we started, year. yeah. 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 Never mind. Yeah. But anyway, it was, this... fun. it was fun while it lasted. It? <laughs> fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, so this week, uh, Blake. The final episode of the show. Yeah, we finally made it. <laughs> we were finally there to sit on our thrones as the... As the what? Uh, I don't know. The finished the Blake what? 7 podcast. <laughs> I was trying to do a Fresh Prince type thing, but it didn't work out. Questionable <laughs> mm. <laughs> wrapping in a minute. <laughs> um, well, we did have that plan, you know, on yeah, our that, retrospective episode not, two. That's <laughs> not. Once we mention it on a recording, then it becomes official. And <laughs> well, luckily you have D- DJ Jazzy Jim with you at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> I'll put down some harsh, tasty beats for you to wrap over. Uh, I mean, basically, the the thing was, I guess we're just going to say it. Uh, after we finished recording the Sergeant Drano episode, afterwards, he's like, you guys should... Uh, he suggested we record Distant Dis- Star. With all of our guests. <laughs> With all of our guests. <laughs> You must do that. <laughs> and then well, it was about realize- a week later, Keon texted. He was like, you know, I realized that's going to be a terrible idea. <laughs> I was on board for like a week. Spoil sport. You were on board for a week? I was on board for like two hours. <laughs> well, Jim, you realize that that means you're sort of implicated in all of this too. You would have to join in the recording as well. Yeah, if DJ we- Jazzy Jim. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you're you not some terrible technical fault that uh, stops me from taking part. <laughs> I can predict it somehow. John gets off the hook because we could just use his version from um, his version was out of time with the official oh, well, song we mode, but I had to like edit. <laughs> I had to edit it to like sound like it was in time. <laughs> I had to speed up part of his vocals. <laughs> wow! So I have George Martin and sorting the Beatles out. <laughs> We could give everybody cool techno DJ names. We got DJ Jazzy Jim. We got DJ Space Cop. That's me. <laughs> right. Oh, God. That's a reference. And nobody would get except me. And that we're not going to explain. Keon West. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. Keon West. <laughs> <clears throat> At least I get to be the musical genius and <laughs> new king of pop in all of this. Great. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, let's uh, let's get to the actual episode at hand because I have things to say about Blake, not just the episode but the character too. <laughs> That's good. It might be a quiet podcast if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to say. <laughs> it begins like right in the middle of the action. We get we get the 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 sequence of Scorpio taking off for the must be like the seventh time this season. But it's a, it's a different sequence this time, isn't it? Or am, am I just no? It's just no? extended. It's just got more shots of Scorpio taking off, but otherwise it's, so the it's same. different. It's great, though, isn't it? It's really good. It is really good. It is really good. And then we get Xenon base exploding, and I'm like, wait, are they? Did they like ditch the base and ex- and blow it up and? And yeah, that's that's exactly what they did. Yeah, it turns out Ziona had no reason to die because they were going to ditch the base anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when you another, think about it. Another pointless Blake 7 death. <laughs> Maybe that's why Avon was so smug at the end of Warlord. Because Ziona died, but he knew that they were going to blow up the base anyway. He just really wanted to get that in for Tarrant. <laughs> God, I, I kind of feel bad about all the bad things I've said about Tarrant over the past 13 weeks, given this do episode. You? Yeah, I kind of do. Wow, he he more suffers hard than I do. He, oh God! <laughs> yeah, he comes through in this one, doesn't he? Yeah, as not being a complete arse as he has in previous uh, episodes. Look, as he tries to redeem himself, he, he does redeem himself. Uh, I think he does. I forgive him. <clears throat> I don't. Let's hear prerogative. <laughs> yeah, it is merciless. Merciless. <laughs> So Avon explains what's going on. He's like, of course we couldn't leave Xenon base intact. Because <laughs> they don't trust Zucan To not and, come back and kill them all. Well, they I mean, they didn't trust. I think the reasoning was that they didn't trust that Zucan hadn't already revealed the location of the base. To presumably serve land. Right. <laughs> Who is conspicuously absent from this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of expected her to show up at the end to gloat. I mean, I already knew she wasn't in this. I spoiled it long uh, I ago. Didn't. But if I hadn't spoiled that, I would have probably guessed that she would show Yeah, that up. was a, a decision, wasn't it, um, from Chris Boucher and uh, I think I uh, was supposed to producer. Veer Lorimer. Is Veer Lorimer the producer of this season? Ve- yeah. Veer Lorimer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it decided that there'd been so much serverland that it would, be, it would uh, be a su- kind of surprise if she doesn't turn up in the final episode. Because we all knew this was the final episode of the series at the time. Um, we didn't know it was the final episode ever, I don't think. 
Yeah, well, yeah, we made it that, pretty but... clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you... right, well, by the end, by the end, you're fairly clear. That <laughs> at least to most of them, come back if any of them. Ah, but see, well, I have a way out for them for my fantasy bullet well, seven. I have a way out. Well, here, this is this is the uh, thing is that you know over this past year, I've seen people discuss how like it's not definitive that they that they all died at the end, and and I didn't know like the circumstances of their their deaths and everything but like when i got to the end when i finished this episode i was like all right you know people are really reaching for them to still be alive it's it's pretty much certain that they all died well chris boucher is always is, ah, well i'd be interested to hear that but chris boucher has always said that uh, he had a way of bringing back any character that if the actor of that character wanted to return he had a way of doing it um, i really hope never it's revealed just the, the, like what they would be <laughs> I really hope it's just the clones. <laughs> there was that clone of Blake still running around the universe. Yeah, you mean the one, the one who died in this episode? <laughs> yeah. <if> you... <laughs> I really um, hope it's uh, they all just they're all just dead, and then they're just like robots. Project Avalon. Not <laughs> even clones, just robots. All the shots were non-fatal, or their secret. Twins that like everybody got this season and lost. They're just Tesselecta. <laughs> no, the Tesselecta. <laughs> we just oh, no. we just watched that <laughs> wedding of ever song. Ooh. That train wreck. I'm just kidding. I kind of liked it. <sighs> I think it's messy. Anyway, it's very messy. Yeah. Thank you, Jim, for being on my side <laughs> with this one. <laughs> Jim, how do you feel about the Scorpio flight deck? Before we continue, do you like it or do you dislike it? Uh, I think it's something you get used to. Um, I mean, it's nowhere near the you know the quality of the Liberator one. But yeah, they're all kind of in a row. It makes it it's quite easy to shoot them all. If you shoot from the front, you get everyone's everyone looking in the way of the camera, don't you? So it's it's kind of works in that sense. But it does look a bit sort of cheap. But then it, you know, it's supposed to be it's just some sort of, almost like a cargo vessel, isn't it? This this thing. I like it from the outside. I, I really like the outside of the Scorpio. Right. Well, the outside's just a smashed Millennium Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> a bit that broke off the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> uh, but I like it. I mean, it's, you can see the uh, the Star Wars influence on it, can't you? Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but I, I think it looks, it's like a tiny Star Destroyer, isn't it, really? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I like it. <laughs> uh, just a word on Slave, because I, I know you guys have been talking about Slave and, you know, slightly puzzled about his accent and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember reading quite a long time ago, a couple, a couple of eight, seven books, and uh, I seem to remember reading at some point. It's, Slave is supposed to be based, based on a character called Uriah Heep from uh, Charles Dickens' David Copperfield novel. I don't uh, know if you huh. know, know that book very well. David yeah. Copperfield. Yeah, I haven't read it, but I know I know of it. Right. Well, the Raya Heap is this kind of upwardly mobile sort of company character, working class company character, mm. uh, really obsequious. You know, he's always saying about, oh, I'm ever so humble and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so he's like he's like slave in that respect. And there's a quite famous uh, BBC production of David Copperfield in 1974, like a TV series adaptation of it. Uh, and Martin Jarvis, who we know from uh, Doctor Who mm-hmm. in various roles, he played U- Uriah Heep in that. And what Peter Tuttenham was doing with Slave in in Series D of uh, Blake Seven is very like 
what Martin Jarvis did for Uriah Heep in that production, which is, I guess, it's the most famous British production of it, I think. So that, I think, is where it, it comes from. Coincidentally, in that series, uh, Gareth Thomas and Jacqueline Pierce appear in it. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah and, and David Troughton with the Top Two connection. Ah. Um, but yeah, that's where the voice of Slave comes from. It kind of lends credit to the fact that Britain has like five actors <laughs> who just appear in everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for that. Finally, yeah, we I'm figured really... it out. We cracked the code. <laughs> Thirteen episodes later. <laughs> uh. yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of of um, of slave. Well, these uh, I don't know extra Blake Seven connections and, and and also these sort of Star Wars connections is that Avon mentions a Rebel Alliance in this opening scene. <laughs> Do you notice that? I mean, <laughs> Wasn't that the alliance he was trying to build last week? Yeah, but I don't think they ever specifically named it the Rebel Alliance, which is like, all right. You well, know. <laughs> well, at this point, they're like, well, okay, well, the show's canceled, so who cares? <laughs> well, they end up on a kind of Endor planet, don't they, on this? Uh, yeah. There you go. Maybe it yeah. all fits. Maybe a, a couple of uh, forests along. Someone has ever an sort of speed bike chase. <laughs> <laughs> Did the forest moon of Endor exist by this point? Was episode six out by no, 81? No. Uh, no. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, 77, 80, 83? Yeah, it was three yeah. year gaps, I think. Even if it was two years, if it was yeah. two year gaps, it might have been. But Dagobah sure existed at this point. Great. You know, with a lone hermit, which Blake seems to be at the beginning, but actually isn't. Blake's <laughs> just doing what he was trying to do in series A and B, but shittier. More, quote un, more question mark successfully? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Avon hints that he knows where Blake is. Well, he doesn't hint where he knows where Blake is. He's like, we're going to go find someone. And Villa goes, it's Blake, isn't it? You found him. He's like, wow, thanks, Villa. How'd you figure that one out? <laughs> but... There, there's been this quest over this season to enlist experts from various fields, I and you got to wonder. This week is Blake. Yeah, no, I, I think it is, and you got to <laughs> wonder: was this sort of uh, Avon's way of looking for Blake? Has Blake really been haunting the show this entire time? Right. I mean, the show's called Blake Seven, but here at the end, it, you know, it's just Blake. It's it's not mm. his seven anymore. It's all about him, and you got to wonder: was were series C and D really just all about him in the background to begin with? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. No, I, th I think they were about Avon. I think C Avon's was about Avon. descent into madness. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, completes that descent in this episode. I actually felt sad for Avon at the end of this. It was like sad right. for his circumstances, sad for his mental decline. <laughs> <sighs> you didn't feel, you didn't forgive Tarrant. No. <laughs> but I felt sad for Avon. <laughs> Your compassion only goes that far. <laughs> yeah. I felt sad for Dana, too, to be honest. I felt sad for all of them. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say. Yeah, Dana was I didn't never... really uh, feel much for Sulin because we had barely an attachment her. to her. We barely knew you. <laughs> you can't kill her. She's lovely. Too late. Well, Sulin, she's dead. Sulin yeah. reveals in this opening scene that she's actually from... Gosh, what's it called? This Gouda planet. Prime. Yeah, Gouda Prime. Yeah. GP. GP. <laughs> it's a pointless bit of dialogue, isn't it? When she calls it GP and Avon says, I imagine that's what the locals call Gouda Prime. <laughs> yeah, I think we worked that out, thanks. 
Thanks, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That's for any five-year-olds watching this uh, episode that is about to become a bloodbath at the end. (laughs) Any five-year-olds who are about to be scarred for life. (laughs) (laughs) About to be in therapy for the next 40 years. (laughs) Who have to start a podcast to to work through it all. No, no. (laughs) Well, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Did Working you actually, through your trauma, Jim. Jim did you actually yeah, watch this it. as it aired? I did, yeah. Did, uh, I was uh, 13 when this uh, aired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it hasn't, uh, hasn't done me any harm. I mean, I shot up at McDonald's this morning, but other than that, it's, it's, been, it's been fine. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, you can edit that out if you like. Yeah. I wouldn't want the police to hear that. <laughs> so uh, what episode of Blake 7 did you start with watching Uh, I started an episode called The Way Back wow (laughs) I saw every single episode on transmission wow from the age of 9 to the age of 13 yeah wow so you were really attached to these characters when they all got brutally murdered (laughs) on screen wow I can't even imagine well maybe not Tarrant but yeah I was attached to I was attached to the rest of them yeah yeah that was uh um, for anyone who'd been through the lot, that is a massive, massive moment right at the end of this. Wow. Hugely traumatizing. <laughs> so did you think did you think they were gonna like find a way out of it? Or, or when you watched it were you like, well this is the end, it's it's not there's no way out of this. Well I I knew it was the end of the series. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there'd be in any announcement that it was gonna be the last one. So I wasn't quite sure what's gonna happen. I, I thought Serverland would turn up because I keep talking about the um, representative of the Federation High Council or something, don't they? Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, right, this will be Serverland. She's bound to turn up. It's the last one of the series. She'll, she'll turn up. Of course, she, she doesn't, but something far more harrowing happens <laughs> instead. Um, and, you know, I thought, well, that's it. They, they ain't coming back from this. Um, and there wasn't, I don't think it was a definitive announcement at the end, but you know, it's pretty obvious. I think. Yeah. <laughs> if, it did, if it ever came back, it would be a very different show. I think uh, possibly Avon might be in it, but uh, you had to guess that no one else would be. Right. And they'd, have, they'd have to start from scratch again. You know, the ship's gone, isn't it? Uh, the you know, computer is gone, in this case, slave. Orak is uh, rusting in the woods somewhere. Your perspex going to rust. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Bob Orax just uh, there forever. Orax, the only one who survives this, <laughs> probably definitively. <clears throat> Not that he has a great existence. <laughs> yeah, he's got no one to be uh, snarky to, has he? <laughs> he probably just give up. He? <clears throat> yeah, he might. Mm. We don't know where his keys, of course. I assume in Avon's <laughs> pocket, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> The Federation yeah, that would have been shot, shot to pieces. <laughs> the Federation might have got him. You know, you never know. Yeah, find him. Pick yeah, him there up. was tons of troops there by then. Um, but anyway, they they head off to Gauda Prime, and we cut to to Blake, 
Yeah, it's very really underwhelming. Yeah, it's very unceremonious. <laughs> underwhelming, unceremonious, hard cut to Blake. I mean, the title of the episode is Blake. Yeah. I was going to say, it would be a bit of a surprise we hadn't turned up. <laughs> it's kind of like every time Doctor Who was like the revelation of the Daleks. <laughs> and they try and keep it a secret and they try like keep two it a episodes. There's <laughs> a big reveal and you're like, uh, but I, I already knew. <laughs> oh my God, it's a Dalek. <laughs> what a <laughs> twist. The people in the show don't know that it's called that, though, do they? So that's, that's the only saving grace. <laughs> um, but Blake is is cooking a, a creature of some sort over an open like flame. A woodland creature. <laughs> the Tarn it's Wood Beast. It's a, a real rabbit, but it's massive, isn't it? It's Whoa. like a hair, hair or something. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was supposed to be an alien creature, you know, something that's that we don't know. what I assumed. Earth. Yeah, but apparently it's a real rabbit that they... What's having flashbacks to Justin's it? animals <laughs> during this. Yeah, yeah, yeah very similar. It's a very similar location. Might be the same forest they're filming in. Could be. Could be. Do you notice that um, Blake's um, damaged eye is the same one that Travis lost, isn't it? That's huh. interesting, actually, that you yeah. point that out. I hadn't yeah. noticed that. Yeah, and, and it looks a lot worse in studio than it does on location, that, <laughs> that eye injury. Did you notice? <laughs> I uh, actually did notice that. <laughs> quality on this episode was... No, I, oh, yeah. On, I watched it on YouTube. Also, the other version we watched, worse, the quality was noticeably... Worse than any other episode. Yeah. Well, it's weird, because I've got the um, DVDs. A few years ago, they brought out the whole set on DVD. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching them on an, uh, an upscaling Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. And the studio scenes look great. They're really crisp, really nice. But the, all those scenes in the forest are really weird. I don't know what film stock they were using, but they're incredibly grainy. It looks like um, it's almost like a snowstorm <laughs> over the picture. It's really bad. I'm imagining they're like out of budget and they're like sitting in the BBC, like in the BBC archive. I'm like, what like extra scraps of film can we use? <laughs> like tearing through like everything they've got, like looking for any piece of film they can use. Yeah, this one stinks of vinegar, but I'm sure it'll be all right. <laughs> We've only got like ten frames on this one, but we can like attach it to the other tape. It'll be fine. <clears throat> now, I thought Blake for, for a few minutes. I thought Blake was was blind because. Well, one, the eye, and two, there's all these references to him not being able to see, right? He's looking the wrong way, as um, What's-Her-Name mentions, and there's a couple other things as well, where he, like, infers that she's holding a gun rather than actually seeing it or something, Mm -hmm. but it turns out he's not. Yeah, it's just kind of anticipating. I think he draws her out of the of the trees and they're both looking in the wrong direction. Right. He's quite a wily operator by now, I think, Blake. And uh, do we ever learn this this uh, girl's name? She's Arlen. Like, yeah, Arlen. Arlen, we right. do. And she's quite a, a trickster. We do learn her name <laughs> because it's a uh, big moment, and she's like, uh, "I uh, Arlen." That's the name they're paying for. And she says, "I did a lot to get them to pay for that name, so you better use it." Yeah. Right. What do you think of her performance in this? I thought it was, it was good right really up until good. she uh, was revealed to be the mustache-twirling villain of the whole episode. <laughs> I liked that. I, I... Can you have a mustache-twirling female villain? <laughs> you can I mean, I mean, the mustache-twirling trope is less in the actual twirling of the mustache and more in just the, in the, <laughs> the figurative, the figurative over-the-topness yes, she, cheese she, factor. 
See, two hours of metaphorical monster. Must yes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think she's a bit dodgy, actually. Uh, I was listening to the um, commentary. There's commentary on this episode with uh, Chris Boucher, Paul Darrow, and uh, Gareth Thomas. And he wasn't very happy with the performance of Chris Boucher because the idea was that she's supposed to be sort of really kind of rough and uh, uh, sort of criminal in mm-hmm. this in this scene. And, you know, that makes her, you know, spoilers, she turns out to be a Federation officer at the end. She's then supposed to start talking you know, pr- receive pronunciation like all the other Federation people and almost everyone else in Plague 7 does. Uh, but she's supposed to be a lot rougher at this stage and she isn't. She just keeps the same voice throughout, doesn't she? Uh, but I'm, I'm, her line delivery, I think, is fairly dodgy at places in this. Right. I mean, I, I think it's kind of dodgy when she gets the uh, the reveal. She kind of seems to ham it up a bit when she reveals that she's a Federation officer. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have a problem with it. I forgive her. Kind of felt like she was everyone. trying to be the next Serverland. <laughs> yeah, well, she looks not completely dissimilar to Serverland. I thought there's something about this a little bit like uh, Jacqueline Pierce, but uh, she's no substitute. That's for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. But we find the this entire sort of situation is preempted. We forgot by Avon and Sulin explaining the situation on Gauda Prime, which is that. The um, you know, in the past, they were a farming colony. They were a farming colony, which was not super productive for farming, <laughs> and and sort of overthrown by the Federation and turned into this lawless. Well, yeah, the, space. The thing was like they discovered a whole bunch of minerals there, and then to like not directly drive the farmers out, but to like kind of drive them out, they like removed all law and order, <laughs> which caused criminals to rise, so it drove all the farmers out, so the Federation could come into mine, and then. Uh, apparently, Gauda Prime applied for readmission to the Federation, uh, or says one week ago. Yeah, I'm sure that now it's mined out. They're like, all right, now we can establish this farming colony. Right, I think is the See, the problem, problem is with the farming colony is all these giant rabbits eating all the crops. <laughs> and freaking giant forests all over the planet. <laughs> well, that's why they called in the yeah. bounty hunters. No cultivatable land. <laughs> There's a really interesting piece of visual framing here that I want to talk about from uh, Mary Ridge, where... Uh, Avon says uh, that they're bringing law back to Gauda Prime, and he says uh, thieves, killers, mercenaries, and psychopaths are no longer yeah. welcome on Gauda Prime. And as he says each of those words, it frames a, a specific character yeah. of the crew. Yeah. So when he says thieves, we get Villa. We get Villa's a thief. When he says killers, we get Dana and Sulin. Mercenaries, we get Tarrant. But then he says psychopaths, and we get... Avon. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, That's I, brilliant, know, isn't it? I thought that was like a really clever bit of visual kind of yeah. metaphor from the Mary Ridge there. Yeah, it's terrific, isn't it? Really good. It it's, confirms everyone's you know, <laughs> sort of opinion that Avon has just lost the plot by mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Blake is acting as one of these mercenaries. Yeah, Blake is a bounty hunter. Allegedly. Or sorry, bounty hunter. <laughs> Allegedly. <Yeah. laughs> Did, did you think that he was that he had some sort of crazy scheme? Because I I, thought, I didn't. I for some reason thought he was actually just a bounty hunter now. Oh, yeah, I thought I he was a bounty hunter, but I thought that he had like lost his mind, and that was why he was <laughs> completely mad. Oh, like lost his memory? No, like lost his like marbles. Oh. <laughs> like he was just completely mad. Because <laughs> I was like, Blake yeah, would I, never I, be a bounty hunter. Lord, yeah, I, th- I think I thought it. it you know, he'd gone slightly psychotic and, you know, this was his only way of sort of scraping a living sort of thing. You yeah, know, it's a little bit psychotic. 
Yeah, he uses sort of dubious skills to. to <laughs> he uses dubious methods to uh, test new recruits to his <laughs> yeah, cars yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, very dodgy that is the way of doing. It. Yeah, it must go wrong more times than it goes right. I expect. <laughs> Oh, well, the crew kind of seems to be game. just him, um, Diva, and um, uh, what's her name? So <laughs> maybe Tarrant was the only one who actually passed. Well, Arlen Finally, passed as well. Arlen. Yeah, since you see how well that went. Well, Diva does seem to indicate that this test is like fails more people <laughs> yeah. than it passes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should. I guess we could explain that because he gets Arlen back to his base. Yeah, after killing some of the bounty hunters that are after her. Yeah, he's like, I'm the only one who's going to claim right. money. <laughs> uh, to allegedly turn her in. And, you know, I didn't quite get what the test was, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think It's it was not just, clear, is it, really? No, really, this entire setup um, that Blake has created isn't very clear. I mean, he never actually sits, sits down and explains it all. He just sees, don't you see, Avon, I set all this up. I mean, in yes. my mind, he's like this crazy old hermit who, like, is holding on to the glory days of when he had the Liberator trying to oh, yeah. fight back the Federation. And he, he thinks he's got this resistance force that he's building up that's going to be super strong that he can, like, replace Jenna and Callie and Villa and Gan. Uh, but but really, it's the, like, subpar. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, the only real test, I think, of his testing procedure is when he uh, leaves the gun and those sort of jewels with Tarrant. Mm-hmm. And even Tarrant points out, you know, don't you think that's a bit obvious, you know, that you're testing me? <laughs> um, and it is, that bit is obvious. It's not quite clear how the rest of it works. You just pretend that you're turning him into the Federation. And then, well, I suppose at that point, they expect him to say, "Well, I am Federation, so why are you doing that?" And then, and then you think, oh, <laughs> yeah. "Okay, you're not you're not one to recruit." Then, and then you kill them. I don't know. I mean, is that how it would work? I don't, yeah, I don't. It's not really no. clear. <laughs> well, if that's what it is, then he completely fails with Arlen. Yeah, yeah, yeah goes wrong completely. But um, she obviously knows what she's doing to sort of uh, evade that kind of test. Well, Arlen seems to be a pretty smart little. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wonder was she actually Federation or was she just bluffing? She's like, oh shoot, Federation's gonna come in here. Maybe I'll just bluff my way out of this by no, pretending I, I, think I she am was actually Federation. Federation. I do too, but there's there's always that that hint of um you know what could have been, I guess. But didn't she contact them? I mean I guess I assume that's why all these troops turned up. Yeah, uh, yeah down, I, I down think, to her. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was what it was. Yeah, before we get there, we should talk about this hilarious crash sequence, though. Where, uh... oh, can we can we talk about the space jumblies first? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those pursuit ships. <laughs> oh god, I forgot the jumblies were a thing. <laughs> yeah, to anyone who doesn't watch Doctor Who Galaxy Four, there's some crappy little robots in there called the jumblies. That's what these weird spaceships look like. Jumblies in space. Oh god, I forgot about the jumblies. <laughs> Well, this is really a parody of of series A and the pursuit ships. Yeah, this whole episode is kind of a parody, <laughs> self parody. Uh, and they they get shot down, kind of. They they they're about to make it, and then Taryn decides to stay behind while everyone else teleports down, so that they have the the chance to teleport down. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know. I, I, I really feel for Tarrant here. You know, he, he really he really comes back and 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 saves them all. For yeah, a while. I think it's the best thing he's ever done in the series, isn't it, really? Um, and there's that great shot, isn't there, when um, Avon uh, teleports down and, you know, the camera just focuses on Stephen Pace. He's just looking sort of distraught. He's alone and about to, you know, crash Scorpio to his, to his death or something. Yeah. It's good. It's a good moment. I mean, but my big question was, why not just slap a teleport bracelet on Tarrant? Then he can control the ship right up to the moment he teleports, and he'll teleport off safely. Like, why not just slap a teleport bracelet on his wrist? Doesn't he have to... Mm. He has to be in the teleport area, doesn't he? But we see people, on like, Scorpio, teleport Scorpio. on and off Scorpio with the bracelets... Right? I mean, we, we saw site-to-site transport using the bracelets, right? be the same thing in principle... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that could have worked. Then he wouldn't have had his hero moment. Yeah, kind of was one. Well. I was, yeah, that's why I kind of don't feel sorry for him because it kind of felt like he was trying to force this hero moment. And I was just like, well, why not slap a teleport well, paste it on? And he was, and it kind of felt like he was trying to be like, look, see, I can be a hero too. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think well, it works. Not, not, sorry. No, no, go on. I was going to say, I, I don't, Avon's not thinking clearly. I mean, he's normally the person who would sort this kind of stuff out. Villa has the idea of you know, abandoning ship via teleport, doesn't he? Uh, and you know, Avon doesn't think about giving Tarrant a bracelet. Maybe he doesn't want him to, <laughs> doesn't want him to survive. <laughs> that's quite possible. I mean, that's kind of the um, implication you get from Avon a little later when he's talking with the other people, like, where's Tarrant? And he's just kind of dodging the question. Yeah, several times, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought that, I mean, I thought he felt bad about Tarrant dying and him surviving. That's what I got out of all of this, is that he's actually yeah. distraught over Tarrant. I guess if everything. you read it as him acting the same way as when Callie yeah. died, when he and was I just do. trying to dodge it. And I do read it that way. That would be more effective if they had actually built uh, Tarrant up to be more of a rival to Avon than Avon just being superior in every single way right up until orbit. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it works because Tarrant was such a... I don't know, just uh, a nuisance rather than an actual threat to Avon. But at the end, Avon sort of acknowledges him, you know, as a member of the crew. Even yeah, though he's not, a, he's not actually dead. <laughs> he survived somehow. Yeah, Avon did look really disappointed when he saw Tarrant alive. Did, so. uh, yeah, it's quite possible that, you know, he had gained some respect from him in that moment, you know, so, you know, saving, saving the others and sacrifice himself. You know, it's going to go up in Avon's estimation, even someone as cold as him. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. I mean, I think Avon definitely feels bad about it, and Avon gains some respect for him. Doesn't mean I have to, I have to forgive Darrant. No, you can be colder than Avon if you want. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the moment that really doesn't land for me is Slave's pastiche of Zen's death which we're going to get to shortly. I really like that scene. <laughs> didn't work for me at all. Totally yeah, it's like they're, try, they're trying to recreate that moment. But, you know, yeah, I they're don't trying to capture it. lightning in a bottle for a second time. And Yeah, they were. I mean, we had a lot of emotional investment in Zen. We didn't have much in Slave, yes, did we? I don't care about Slave. Slave just gets beat a, down man. every week. You two are exactly, ruthless. Yeah. I also have a bit of a problem with... Uh, Computers that you know are shutting down. You know they suddenly start talking, you know, like a person who's not very well. <laughs> well, Zen Zen's worked because odd. like Zen, you know, he called himself I for the first time, and Zen's worked. Mm. 
Slaves. Yeah. Slaves. Slaves doesn't you, work. You two are ruthless. All right. <laughs> he calls them um, Tarrant. Uh, Tarrant, Tarrant rather, than right. sir, isn't he? rather than right. master right, yeah. or sir, and it's master, master for Avon, isn't it? And sir for for Tarrant. Tarrant I, uh, I, can't, I can't remember what he calls the, uh, the women. I can't remember. I don't think he really addresses. Yeah, he doesn't really talk to them. Too many people. Yeah. So maybe just Avon. No, Pretty much does. predominantly talks with Avon. Yeah. He. Uh, it doesn't really work because he doesn't have much of a personality to begin with. He doesn't have yeah. much of a backstory. He's overall pretty useless and ineffectual. And uh, him calling Tarrant Tarrant uh, totally gives away the game to Blake. So, yeah, that's and that's I think a good moment. Yeah, oh, I, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, it's a plot point, isn't it? Because Blake is listening, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, because we see Blake go and they're they're wondering what the the Scorpio is because they pick it up on radar and Blake decides to go investigate. And he finds it. He finds Del Tarrant sitting there. I mean, it totally could have been Dita Tarrant, and Blake would have had no idea uh, because <laughs> Slave just says Tarrant, and Del and Dita look identical. So if he was well, Del, Messi Blake, I don't think I don't think he knows. And he comes to realize that Tarrant is one of uh, the team, doesn't he? But he can't know about Tarrant, can he? At this stage, no, I don't think so. He must only know that was, about. Um, uh, Avon and Villa, mostly. Yeah, I mean, that's one of my notes. Is like <laughs> right, earlier in the episode when Villa goes, You found Blake, haven't you? And Tarrant's like, Nice, you found Blake, or something like that. And I'm like, Wait, why does Tarrant care? Tarrant never met Blake. Tarrant and Blake had no interaction on this show at all, ever. I'm just sure he's heard of Blake. And knows that he's but, like this haunting force. But also, this is like this metafictional thing of like, what, what do we know versus what do they know, and how does that affect. Well, also, Blake's Villa seven. goes, Servland told you Blake was dead, didn't she? And Avon's like, I don't think he's dead. Well, <laughs> and then Dana has this really strange line. She goes, well, she had no reason to lie. And first of it's all, why though. is Dana? Well, first of all, I mean, no, like, no reason to lie except the, like, the, the, the big reason of wanting to control information, which well, is a huge well, reason. But on and the other hand, Servland. but exactly. on the other hand, in that episode, Servaland really didn't have any reason to lie because she expected all of them to die shortly thereafter, so no reason well, to kill information the, anymore. No, but the more, I mean, even if there's, uh, she, she was covering her bases, right? Like, even if you think they're all going to die, which they didn't, but you still want to control the, the situation via this information. But also, why is Dana defending Servaland is the thing, you know? I think Dana's well, just yeah, being it's... the voice of reason here. Like, why would we go after Blake? That's like a horrible idea that's going to get us all killed. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, sure enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing, I mean, Serverland lies as a first resort, doesn't she? I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's no point in questioning why she would lie. She just lies. She's a, that's what she's like. I mean, if there's any chance of uh, getting some sort of advantage by not imparting a piece of information, she won't. Mm-hmm. Right. So Avon tells Orak to start a distress signal. Right. And then he meets up with Villa, Dana, and Sulin, who sort of found this old, like, bunker type thing. Yeah. And then Avon's like, you're going the wrong way if you <laughs> want to get off this damn thing, this damn planet. <laughs> what do you think of the Scorpio uh, crash landing in the forest? I think the really crash good. landing set's really yeah. good, yeah. I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I really like it. That had a huge impression on me at the time because obviously back then, you know, I hadn't seen any, 
you know, really good effects because they weren't around back then. <laughs> so this this looked fantastic for the time. I remember. It was really dark, though, was my one complaint. Epic. Like, the lighting was very dark, and I had difficulty telling what was going on it's, sometimes. We had certainly, certainly dark by the time they get on there, but I think I think there's a fair amount of light for the actual crash, isn't there? But the crash scene is really dark, isn't it? You know, when you get that... It's, I love that set when you've got the sort of yeah, busted-up yeah, interior of uh, Scorpio, and then you've got sort of like a load of sort of earth has fallen in on the mm-hmm. side, isn't it? And it's kind of gouged a bit of sort of grass. And so the two emerge. I think it looks excellent. Yeah. And the busted up sleeve in the background looks great. Mm. Yeah. Girl slave dying. <laughs> Terrence just kind of lying down. There's some gun runners coming and then Blake blows them up and then Blake's like, I saved your life. And Terrence's like, correction, you saved your life. You said they were <laughs> after you, not me. And Blake's like, ooh, you got me. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> but uh, Blake decides to uh, take Tarrant to the to his super secret base of bounty hunters. <laughs> and uh, and he gets there and he's like, we're going to turn this guy in because he's going to bring Avon here. And uh, somehow Tarrant passes this test. Though again, it's a little unclear what exactly the test is here. <laughs> Yeah, is be annoyed about being uh, sort of arrested. <laughs> Pass that test, running off. Is that part of the test? I don't know. Odd. So, incidentally, this this sorry, incidentally, this character Clint who is the woman who works in the sort of adjoining room. Right. Uh, she's she's Janet Lee's price. That's Paul Darrow's wife at the time, and she still is. Oh, right, right. She, she was at the time of the commentary, anyway. <laughs> don't have any chances. I didn't know that. Mm. And he gets to shoot her, which is odd. <laughs> I was about to say, like, doesn't well, he kill her? Well, Blake 7 <laughs> is uh, very metafictional at times, so, you know, maybe this is... Uh, Wait a minute, what are you implying there? <laughs> what are you implying? <laughs> he begged Chris Boucher to let, let him kill her. Yeah, you, think, you think when Paul Darrow's having, like, a spat with his wife, he goes into his, like, little man cave and puts on footage of him murdering her in Blake 7. <laughs> on, re- on repeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm amazed they're still together, really. You think they had some sort of lasting psychological damage for that marriage. But they pulled, they pulled through, and good for them. Well, Tom Bacon and Lala Wood didn't pull through. <laughs> they didn't kill each other, and that's the thing. Maybe if they had. I guess. <laughs> Oh, they kill each other. They kill each other with looks in almost every episode. <laughs> if looks could kill. They certainly would have done. Yeah, if looks could kill, would I'll be dead from watching that era of Doctor Who? Yeah, Avon has Orak analyze Blake's flight path and follows him, and another flight hopper that they just like find chilling on the ground. Well, they're they're attacked <laughs> by bounty hunters. So maybe they steal their ship? I'm, I wasn't sure, but could yeah, be. Yeah, that's, that's what happens, yeah. Okay. Because it's just kind of parked on the ground, kind of out of frame, and they're like, look, yeah. over there! A we, space hopper. We we get the information, as Blake is taking Tarrant back to the base, we get the information that Jenna is dead. Allegedly. Yeah. Alleg- according to Blake. According to Blake. <laughs> she sacrificed herself. She tried to, like, make a... Make some sort of weapons run one too many times and died. 
Yeah, she right. hit self-destruct and she, she took out a load of enemy gunships with Serviland survived a ship blowing up with no reasonable way off. I don't think Jenna's dead. Plus, we don't even know how true any of this is. We could just be yeah. We don't even really up. know what happened to Jenna after nope. she got on that medical ship. Jenna's is the most mysterious character on the show in terms of what in terms of what uh, what happened to her at the end. How she ended up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally everybody else is dead except for Avon. Gan is dead. Blake is dead. Callie is dead. Villa's dead. Tarrant's dead. I mean, if we say that Callie's dead, we can say that Avon is dead as well. I mean, there's no way that he's making it out of that. I mean, but the thing about Uh, Callie's death is that they go in and see her body and come out, right? Yeah, but what do they say versus what do we... Sorry, what do they see versus what do we see? And what do they report versus what we see on screen? And how does that play into any of what's I mean, true? Villa, I mean, everybody was kind of upset that Callie was, was dead. Well, I mean, I'm sure Cal, I, I, I do think Callie's dead. I also do think Avon is dead. I think if you want to say Callie's dead, you also kind of have to say Avon is dead as well. I don't think those two have to be linked at all. They look completely separate. I mean, I think well, Avon's dead, but I don't think yeah, those two I mean, have to be linked at all. Yeah, I mean, in terms of what people, uh, yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, just the way it's done. But then there's also, like, what they say about Callie. And her last words, quote unquote. But yeah, I don't know. I just I don't see that there's any way that Avon makes it out. Well, well, I don't well, know. Let's, I don't know. Well, well let's talk about, let's talk about that at, at the end because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think there are ways around it. <laughs> but then they need a Servland little bit of ha- hammering in. out passionately <laughs> with Avon. Well, anyway, Avon follows them into the base, and Blake's like, "That must be Avon with Orac." Turns out Blake's been after Orac this whole time. <laughs> Kind of well, seems this, that way. This is this is the last five minutes of the episode, and this is where it starts getting really interesting. I mean, up until this point, I was like, okay, another another Blake Seven episode. Yeah, it's a straight adventure, isn't it? Up until this point, and then it gets momentous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, even with the inclusion of Blake, it's still, I don't know, it just feels so low key. It is low key. It's surprisingly low key, actually, until right at the end. Yeah. I mean, I think it is surprisingly. And then, key. I mean, my uh, jaw hit the floor at the end of this. I, I was actually watching with my mouth hanging open. I mean, even I, I know I was. I knew I had spoiled this a year ago. I knew what was ha- coming, and still, it still got me. Still got me. Forty years later. Forty years that's, later. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Because I can't really imagine watching that episode if you knew that they're all going to die. Then <laughs> maybe a very different experience. But I'm glad it still had an effect on you. Yeah, I mean, someone, yeah. one of our listeners emailed us and said that no matter how many times they watch Blake, it still gets them. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm. got me. Well, I well, didn't I have my you, jaw you, literally open, but I was like, wow, this is, uh, wow. <laughs> wow. I think it, yeah, I think it might be quite intense for, for for the both of you, really, because you've watched it in such a concentrated burst, haven't you? <laughs> You basically ejected Blake Seven straight into our veins. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you know, you're really on on top of the whole thing, and then you know this happens right at the end. And yeah, it's going to going to affect you. I mean, my, yeah, you know, as I say, I watched every episode, but over much spread over, you know, spread over a much longer period, and it, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. But you having gone through all that in such a short space of time, and then coming to this, yeah, I can imagine it be a big moment. Yeah. Well, it was for it sure. Was. It was. It was. But uh, basically, yeah, we should explain what happens, because the biggest shock to me was uh, that Dana was the first one to right. bite the dust after Blake. Blake, okay, so here's where we get Avon's uh, 
Which is where we get Iconic the best scene line. in Blake 7. <sighs> this amazing scene. Or I mean, I, I don't know if you're scene. being like sarcastic no, no, or not, I, but I, I believe no. that unironically. Yeah, yeah. As, as do I. And um, I'm not I'm not 100% sure that Paul Darrow pulls this off, to be honest. I thought oh, really? that at the, at the time, at the tender age of 13, I thought, hang on. <laughs> right, at 13. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, that, uh, is it true, Blake? Have you betrayed us? Have you betrayed me? I don't know. I don't, I don't think Darrow's – I mean, I love watching him, but he's just – Paul Darrow, but he's slightly hammy, I think, and I don't think he's got a huge range, but he's perfect to play uh, Avon, mm-hmm. you know, a slightly cold sort of character that he is. I'm not sure he pulls this off, to be honest. Well, first I wasn't sure where Tarrant got this idea that Blake sold them out, uh, I guess from Blake's crappy test, <laughs> which involves <laughs> yeah, selling them to the, the Federation. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Blake's test in the end undermined him. Well, it's interesting because uh, Diva has his own sort of more sort of com- computerized system, doesn't he, for, for right. setting all stuff. You know, he accesses all the, you know, criminal systems and stuff and just sees who's, you know, a likely candidate, you know, to join the group. But, you know, Blake is so paranoid he, he can't rely on that. He has to do some weird test to satisfy himself that these people are, are um, you know, appropriate to, to join but it's interesting that someone like Avon, who's so obsessed uh, with computers and has such a logical mind, you know, it, it's 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 Blake's lack of logic that leads to his own downfall, killed by someone who relies on logic all the time. It's it's quite an interesting way for him to go, really. It's yeah, for sure. I didn't even pick up on that or think of it. I mean, it's the, they've both had this like psychotic break up to this point, and uh, mm. and I think they did it in different ways. Blake, you know, Blake was like super lax about who he would bring onto the Liberator and who would join his crew back in Series he A and, and, and B, and uh, you know, and, and we talked about this uh, with Maurice how he would just like he was super lax about everything. He would just tell everybody he's got a teleport, and he would just play into this big role but and you know he had this psychotic break where he, he like he basically becomes obsessed with control with controlling yeah. every variable possible right is why he's got this test why he's on this planet in the middle of nowhere building the supposedly perfect army to fight back against the federation he controls everything he rejects uh, pretty giving, much everyone you know, yeah he rejects everyone he rejects giving control to computers <laughs> You know, which is, again, you know, mm. he was super lax about using ORAC and Zen, but now he's, like, rejecting using this computer to do the tests. He he it's doesn't con- even have a consistent. computer. Yeah, it's consistent, isn't it? It's it's not like a sudden character change just you know, just no. to make this episode work. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's consistently written. That's a, the great thing about having a script editor who's there every, for every single episode, isn't it? You know, that, that kind of stuff, you get that kind of level of consistency, don't you? Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Blake goes like he, he goes overboard and like he wants to control everything. Whereas Avon, when he has his break, goes underboard. <laughs> he he, he kind of goes the opposite direction. He he kind of goes super hands off. You know, this week and last week, he just opens up to everybody else for ideas. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. He's trying to give everybody else. You know, he's trying to build that alliance last week to give he kind of shove responsibility for the Federation onto everybody else. You know, he doesn't mm. even think of how to get off Scorpio when they're flying down because he's just like, well, 
paralyzed by I don't know if it's fear, if it's this like desire to to give control away. You know, I don't know. He, he well, becomes increasingly reliant on Orak this season, even though when Orak was introduced, Avon was the biggest opponent to Orak. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't want yeah, him to leave him to solve every problem, did he? But mm-hmm. they're on a, a terrible losing streak, aren't they? In this <laughs> season, yeah. So you you get stage where you know Avon's badly given up, and he's just saying, "Well, I can't, I can't seem to do this myself, or with the people I've got. You know, let's try and sort something else out." And that's how all, all series really, you know, when they could try to get all these different experts. You know, it's culminated, you know, because of what happened in the week before this one. You know, when that was his plan A, wasn't it? Um, when that all went mm-hmm. wrong, you know, Blake was plan B, wasn't it? You know, someone else who could t- lead this thing and take the pressure off him. Uh, and maybe, yeah, maybe he wants to do what he wanted to do early on and just get out of all this and find a remote planet, you know, with a ton of cash and and stay there in safety. I mean, again, just, like I said, it's it's Avon trying to give control away. He's like, at this point, he's like, well, I can't do this. Let's get Blake yeah. back. Let's give Blake the reins of the sleigh yeah. back again, right, so to speak. Let's put Blake in charge so I don't have to make all these decisions anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it works. I think it's again, it's consistent with how it's gone for him being mm-hmm. in charge. He never wanted to be in charge, did he? It's only circumstances that, that yeah, he did a pretty good job in CBC. Let's give him some credit yeah. here. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not saying he didn't do well, but it's not something he, he wanted, is it? It just happened. Yeah, and the writing changes slightly, doesn't it? When mm-hmm. he, he, yeah, he, he has to fill a slightly Blake shaped hole, doesn't he? And Aaron <laughs> fills the rest of it, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, so um, yeah, he changes a little bit, but um, yeah, you can kind of see that you know people step up to the plate, don't they? When situations change, and he's clearly a natural leader more so than all the others. Um, you can imagine that happening; it doesn't jar in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Then Avon has his. You betrayed me. Did you betray me? And then he shoots. He tells Blake to stand still. He's like, stand still. And then he shoots Blake well, the, the, three times. The, the, the last, because Blake says like something along the lines of, "Well, don't you see? I set all this up." And then he for Avon, us for us. And then Avon goes, "Yes." And then he he shoots him. But that yes, there's there's a bit of moment of hesitation. And I was like, okay, he he gets what's going on. He's like, yes, Blake hasn't betrayed me. Yes. But then he shoots him. Well, Blake doesn't help himself, does he? I mean, he no. says all these ambig- ambiguous things. No, when yeah. he, he should just say, like, whoa, whoa, let me explain what's happening. <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> yeah, but he says a ton of ambiguous stuff and he gets shot, you know. Three times. Yeah. yeah. In the stomach sure, and he bleeds. Yeah, he bleeds. Right. Yeah, well, that it's makes you wonder, does it, slightly about all these other deaths no, deaths nobody ever does yeah that's that's my way out of this nobody else bleeds when they get shot except so. that one yeah. guy in no but I mean in this episode no. Blake bleeds he dies nobody else bleeds that's my way out of it oh wow well what yeah. if Blake's not actually dead either Blake's Blake's <laughs> Blake's, <laughs> we don't know for Blake's sure. got a pretty yeah. big fucking hole in his chest he's <laughs> dead it's, it's ruined his day at the very least <laughs> <laughs> Well, he gets shot yeah. by a Federation gun, so he he goes out in that way. Yeah, I mean everybody else does, and they don't bleed. So, but yeah, the only problem with that is you've never seen Federation troopers stun anyone before, have we? I don't think. <laughs> yeah, but we've uh, seen the miss. <laughs> yeah, we've seen the miss. 
I'm sitting there just faking it. Just falling down. Like, whoa, that was a close shot. Like, glad I fell out of the way. Uh, I'm dead. I stopped, dropped, and rolled out of the way. (laughs) Well, the big surprise here is that Dana's the first to go down. Yeah, she did not deserve to be the first. Sue Lin should have been the first, in my opinion. Dana was the most innocent out of all of them. Should have been Sue Lin, in my opinion. Because no one cares about her. Well, because she's the most recent addition to the crew. So thematically, come first yeah, exactly. th- thematically, that would have made more sense to me. Or if they, if a- or if Avon had died first, and they went like in reverse order, and then it went Avon Villa and Sulin was last left. Just kind of a thematic parallel to like the order they joined the crew. I don't know. Well, it needs to be one of the kind of needs to be one of the weapons experts, doesn't it? Because yeah, they've been forced to drop the guns, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And uh, Dana goes for the gun. Right. Uh, didn't she, to shoot um, uh, Arlen, didn't she? Yeah. I mean, the reason uh, why I think Sulu doesn't, doesn't make it. Is know, he a yeah. lost in, first out kind of thing, right? <laughs> Got Sulin, Tarrant, Dana, Villa well, Avon. Tarrant gets to redeem himself. They have to be killed in the, order of, in the reversal order of their arrival on the ship. <laughs> But but Tarrant does. Get- should have stopped the troopers. And say, whoa, 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 no, no, let's do this in order. Please. Oh, <laughs> back up! You can't just do. That. <laughs> you can't oh, just God. do this. Works for the doctor. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, I'm just walk into to the centre of the room. You know, they, they check the time that they arrived on the program, then step in the centre <laughs> of the room and allow themselves to kill. Yeah, that means Villa would be the last. By the way, yeah, indeed, yeah, he would be. Yeah. But it's a quite, I mean, it's a, a horribly shocking scene. It's almost ritualistic, isn't it? Because yeah. everyone gets to shoot one person and then get shot themselves, don't they? Yeah. They put up a Is anyone thing that, actually, actually, that's a lie. Dana doesn't get to shoot anyone. Dana goes for the gun no, and gets no, shot before she gets no. to pick it up. Villa's the one who incapacitates Arlen by elbowing <laughs> her in the face. Yeah, he gets some moves, doesn't he, all of a sudden? And the only problem with that scene, I love when he does that, the only problem with that is he says sorry, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, been shown to be just, an extremely just killed person. Dana. Yeah, I don't know, I don't like that moment. But, um, Maybe he says sorry because Dana's not actually dead, but he just concussed Ireland and killed her. <laughs> wow, you <laughs> really reached him through and still be alive. Stun. <laughs> <laughs> you were really grasping sorry, at this. stun. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me help you up. Sorry about that. I, I thought you killed, but clearly you haven't. So uh, sit down, have a cup of tea. You'll be fine. Well, they all die, <laughs> and then Avon That's gets surrounded by Federation summer. troopers. There's kind of this hilarious <laughs> moment where Avon's just surrounded by Federation troopers, and he looks around. Arlen sort of reveals herself. That's before they all get killed. Yeah, and um, I like. Yeah, this moment. is when her voice is supposed to change to yeah. you know, sort of Federation style. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, because it was like that to start with, it didn't work. I kind of thought it was... Nice. Sorry. No, go on. Yeah, I was just going to repeat something from earlier. Uh, I was just going to say something about the camera movement. They do a great sort of 180 pan around um, Paul Darrow, don't they, to take in every single Federation (laughs) troop walked in to point their weapons at Yeah, this is great. This is a great way to end the show. When when we watched Terminal, I was like, I don't know if Blake's going to be able to top this, but I think it did. Yeah, Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I think I think so too. Well, he slowly yeah. raises his gun as a six shooter, of course, upholding the tradition. Blake the actually moments. Blake holds his gun the same way earlier on in the episode. I don't know if you noticed mm, that. Didn't notice that. Avon. Taking Maybe Gareth to, Gareth Thomas is a Western fan as well. <laughs> but I like the way that um, Avon stands over Blake's corpse, doesn't he? And it's quite ambiguous, isn't it? Is he, like, is he protecting him? Is he 
triumphant or is he for a second i thought he's going to claim Victory. that he killed killed blake for the federation yeah that's for what a it, second right that's that's almost what it's it's shot to to yeah. imply then he raises his gun and uh he kind of smirks a little bit to, yeah he smiles cut to credits as we hear gunshots overplayed over the credits but yeah aims very carefully at something doesn't he yeah and then smiles it, it, it looks the like he's got some sort of plan doesn't it he knocks out the That's lights what, and all those gunshots of the Federation troopers shooting wildly <laughs> in the dark. Well, he they, knocks yeah. out the lights and then duck, you know lies on the floor and they will shoot each other. Yeah. That's what that's actually what I was sold. thinking when the credits were rolling. It's like, what if they're all just shooting each other? Because Avon just ducked. That's why well, you never completely that, surround a target. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very never cross your own line of fire. <laughs> yeah, indeed. The other thing is, of course, that is it Clint, the uh, uh, Paul Darrow's wife character? <laughs> she's called people into that room, and she? She's called security. Um, you kind of wonder what security she, there is. Just before she's killed. We haven't but, seen you know, any you other hear, people. You hear, you hear a ton of d- different sort of laser guns going off, and then several different types. You wonder if security arrives and starts taking out Federation troopers. Oh, right. Just in time so, to save Avon. <laughs> there are, so there Plus, are definitely ways out for Avon. There's also yeah. this, the metafictional thing of Blake Seven, which Series D hasn't done to, to the extent that Series C did. But also, like you know, he 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 points into the camera and shoots and ends the show and stuff like that. So, mm. I don't know series, what to say about that. Series E starts Avon sitting in a rocking chair on a house, and someone's like, "And that's what happened." <laughs> <laughs> Minville walks in, and is like, "That's not what happened at all." <laughs> Well, you might be interested because you, uh, you're going to listen to the way forward. Are you going to listen to the way, way ahead? Yeah. The way ahead is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bear that in mind when you start listening to that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> not a million miles, not a million miles away from what happens in that story. Huh. Nice. Huh. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. The, the other thing is, there's, there's far too many gunshots over too long a time, aren't they? For the for Avon to have shot a couple of times and then be killed by all the. Uh, troopers right you'd think the first gunshot would take him out unless all the troopers are just over eager to be the guy who claims that he was the one who killed avon <laughs> yeah there's his little cinder where avon used to be by the end <laughs> if there's no body he's not dead <laughs> yeah. where's the body happen. yeah you also have to wonder you know if, if say avon dies here then does he become this sort of blake like figure does he become you know the mysterious avon well, not even a well, martyr, in- but someone who might still be out there, might still be alive, and nobody really knows. Well, it's interesting. There's a lot of um, parallels with the way ahead, aren't they, here? Because uh, there's like this sort of burgeoning, rebellious movement taking place. Uh, there's a spy, Federation spy in the camp. Federation troopers huh. come in and kill everybody. It's exactly yeah. what happened in the yeah. first episode. So it, it, it bookends it, the, the whole um, yeah. show quite nicely. The cycle it? repeats. The cycle yes. repeats. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> Yeah, then Avon escapes or something, and then eventually someone will say, well, yeah, you used to lead this rebel movement. And Avon will be like, no, I didn't. That's not what happened at all. You'll be writing history. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it, that Serverland doesn't turn up. I think, it, you know, you kind of miss her, I suppose, but I think that it ends as a misunderstanding between Blake and Avon is, I think that really works. And I think... You know, everyone being killed is the only way you could finish a show that is, you know, quite bleak, isn't it? Blake Seven mm-hmm. and that, Blake the whole seven. idea. It's, there's never been any real feeling that they're going to win. There aren't enough of them against this massive organisation. Um, it's not. 
it's not realistic for them mm-hmm. to win. And eventually, just by a few mistakes, people not trusting each other, people trust each other too much, it's all over. I mean, it's, so kinda... it's a very interesting way for it to end. I think. Right. I mean, throwback to the line where Blake one time was like, you're going to be the death of me, Avon. Like, right. Mm. Mm, and, yeah. and, and, you know, the thing is, uh, I, I think actually not including Servalan or the Federation until the very end, right, with all the troopers, is uh, actually more effective in a way because they, they destroy themselves. Yeah. I mean, mm. there's the intervention of Arlen and the troopers at the end, but really take them out of the equation and you can still imagine <laughs> that something similar would have happened. Yeah, I mean, just on the strength of uh, of Taron saying that he'd betray them, that right. Blake had betrayed them, might have been enough for all this happening if, if the Federation hadn't been on the planet. Right. Taron's kind of the guy who sets off Blake's death when you uh, think about it. Just classic Taron being. Uh, but it's, it's also it's Blake himself as well, all right? You know. I mean, yeah, yeah but it's, like it's, it's Taron's the one who uh, misunderstood everything here with uh, Blake's stupid test. And, yeah, uh, well, Blake yeah, doesn't make it easy. He makes nah. it easy for people to misunderstand what he's up to. It's yeah. the problem. Plus, I forgive Tarrant, so I'm not going to uh, hold it against him here. You should, though. <laughs> <laughs> he he kind of he redeems himself. He like he fights he his way out more than. He redeems himself, but immediately unredeems himself by uh, claiming Blake sold them all out. Well, from his point of view, he did. He's not. He's not lying. From my he? point he's of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it good. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll forgive him one day I'm sure you have yeah, to let go you need time <laughs> just let Tarrant into your heart the great healer <laughs> time heals all wounds except for Blake's father <laughs> except <Apparently> for that <laughs> terminal wounds <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently that was a, a, a condom full of stage blood um, attached to a <laughs> metal plate on Gareth Thomas's stomach. Nice. Brilliant. Uh, mm. So there you go. I mean, there's a hole in the shirt where the shot went through. That's why I'm pretty sure he's dead, because I'm pretty sure it's, that hole continues through the, oh, through yeah. the person no, inside I, the I, uh, I think outfit. they're all dead. Outfit. I think they're I think all dead. I think there should be a massive exit wound at the back as well. <laughs> and maybe some spatter on the wall behind him. Oh, yeah, just to make just to make it absolutely sad. But I mean, uh, Blake, um, Blake, uh, Gareth Thomas said he would only come back to the show if he was definitively written out of it, uh, and that's what happens here. They couldn't make it any plainer, could they? Well, I think of all them, Blake's Blake got the, out there. the least way out. There's also that Blake clone, which could have been this well, guy. Yeah. You know, you never know. Everybody forgets about the Blake clone. <laughs> that's that's an <laughs> argument I've seen is that this was just the Blake clone, not actually Blake. Well, the real Blake died when Servalan claimed. Maybe. Mm. Who knows? I think they're all dead. I think this was the real Blake. That's my opinion. I don't think Jenna's dead. Well, I think I mean out of all the characters in this episode, uh, you know, Avon, Blake, Dana, Sulin, Tarrant, Villa. I think they're all dead. Jenna, I don't know. Blake only only mentions Jenna to to see if he gets a reaction from Tarrant, doesn't he? He's trying to work out whether he's part of Avon's huh. group, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. He mentions it and he takes him a sideways look, doesn't he? Uh, and, you know, sure enough, he does make a big reaction with Jenna's mention. So, I mean, he could have made it all up, but I don't know. I believe it. I believe that she's gone as well. They're all dead. They're all dead. All the... Uh, all this, the... Is, this is British sci-fi. You don't get happy endings. <laughs> Doctor Who has happy endings sometimes. Unless you're Adric, <laughs> who will never know well, if he was right or not. Well, 
the main characters died <laughs> 13 times or something. <laughs> well, and Donna had her mind erased, forgot about that. Rose yeah, got stuck in a parallel of... universe. Yeah, but she made out like a bandit with everything she ever wanted. Her AU family, her AU doctor. That's a happy ending, surely. It's true. Rose got literally everything she wanted. The spoiled, entitled little... Russell T. standing. Russell T. Mary Sue. There was a different word I wanted to put there that I can't air live on the podcast. Get the bleeper out. We should get a physical, like, just bleep button so we don't have to edit it in. We can just say whatever we want and play the sound over what we say. <laughs> that reminds me of a bit in the IT crowd where they've got a physical beeper and the boss turns to the, the beeper guy and is like, quick work on the beeper, but then later in the episode he completely misses beeping a swear word. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's Blake for you. Brilliant episode. Really good. Really good I ending. It was great, yeah. yeah. Not my favorite of Series D, but great. I definitely do see the uptick that people were talking about at the end, though. Yeah, for uh, sure. Quality. Right, yeah. Series D still, I mean, I know a lot of people love Series D, but I can't just get I can't just get behind it that easily because of how weak I think the beginning of the, the right. series was. Yeah, I don't think it's my least favorite um, Series D, to be honest. But mm. yeah, it's still got lots of good moments in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, re- I really like all of it. That's the thing. So, I mean, although it's my least favorite, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not terrible. It's just not as good as the others, in right. my opinion. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. So, Terry Nation, how would how would Terry Nation do, Blake? Yeah, Serverland would be in this one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, she'd be in it. I think knowing him and his eye on on the holy dollar. <laughs> Uh, th- there would be a much more obvious way of carrying the show on, I think. Oh, yeah, that too. Well, I mean, it would be Terminal, I mean, right? That's I mean, Terry Nation's yeah. way of ending the show. Terry Nation tried to scrap up funding for Series E, I found out, allegedly. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh, but at that no, point, I, I think, that I point, think, I think it was... It yeah. Mm-hmm. Terry would have left it way more open. He would have brought in Silverland for sure. Yeah, for sure. It would have ended with some sort of confrontation been, between Silverland. I don't even think Blake would come back, though. It would have been thing. much more similar to Terminal. Yeah. I think even if Blake had come back, and I don't think he, Terry would have completely ruled that out. But I don't but think Terry would have done it again, similar. right? Because he did it in Terminal. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Terminal well, wasn't the, the real the, Blake, so. Or was it? Well, the thing with Terry Nation... <laughs> The thing that Terry Nation would be fighting against is the fact that the actor didn't want to come back anymore. So, you know, to have a chance of having him in the show again, I think you'd take that chance, but you would have to write him out. Otherwise, he wouldn't come back. So I think it wouldn't be Terry Nation's decision whether Blake would have lived at the end of this. Mm. You're right. Yeah, it's a good point. But Serverland would have been 100%. 100%. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if she died in this. Yeah, he, he could have done in. that. I mean, he did yeah. that technically in Terminal. I mean, Chris Boucher was the one who kind of brought Serverland Kill back. Kill off the greatest villain he ever yeah, wrote? No. Really? Well, More actually, Davros? Davros is better than Serverland, but Serverland's a close second. Very close second. Actually, no, I, I would put Serverland above Davros um, if you count all of the appearances of Davros. If you count just Genesis, then yeah, Davros is stronger. Mm. Really, I mean, you're laughing, but like really, though. Yeah, but I think the same thing happened to Serverland. I think Serverland became a really weak but, character. But in not, series but, D. but not as not. She didn't fall as hard as Davros did. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, by Destiny of the Daleks, Davros was just... But I mean, I think he would have killed her off. I mean, he didn't terminal. She was in a ship that was blowing up. I mean, yeah, he had her run to the teleport room, but, like, realistically, think about, like... Think about what Terry must have been thinking. Like, where would she actually teleport to? Plus, the teleport room wasn't working anymore. He just she- sees her. He's watching Series D. He's like, oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> Finds out Sleer is Servalan. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, because that was written at the end uh, as the end of the show, wasn't it, Terminal? Yeah. That was going to be it. Whereas this, uh, Chris Boucher wrote it as a big cliffhanger because, mm-hmm. you know, he was still hopeful there would be a, a fifth series. So, yeah, there's two different approaches to those two episodes isn't there so in a way Servalan's perhaps more likely to live in this episode <laughs> than she would be on that one right and they both that's that's actually strange now that you bring that up because because these two episodes Termal and Blake both seem to have the opposite effect of what they intended right yes <laughs> yeah true both have destroyed the ships as well don't they yeah both Scorpio's gone and dead or acts in the forest somewhere. Dead dead computers everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that actually wraps up everything I have to say on Blake. I'm uh, saving some thoughts on the show as a whole for uh, a little bit later. Yeah, we're going to be doing a, a retrospective um, where we probably do a, an overview of, of the season mm-hmm. in brief, I guess. Or sorry, season, mm-hmm. or sorry, S- series. Show. 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 <laughs> series. We do have an email from Sergeant Drano if you want to join us for that uh, quickly. Okay, yeah. Jim? I yeah, just, yeah, uh, okay, great. All right, Sergeant Drano, right. Blake. Hey, guys. So, Blake, I swear, that guy. And at last, we come to the infamous end, more or less. What can I tell you about this one? Well, I can tell you the first time I saw this episode, I didn't see this episode. <laughs> I was in high school at the time and was required to go to bed before the episode was going to air. For some reason, I didn't have a VCR I could program at the time, so the best that I could do was to record this episode on an audio cassette. So the very first time I experienced this episode, all I got was the audio, and I did not know beforehand that this was the last one. However, shocker, it was literally years before I was able to watch this episode real via my coveted commercially released VHS collection and the attached picture of it. Mm-hmm. So the crew abandons and on base, scorched earth style. Avon has a new idea for a figurehead, and Villa guesses Blake. Blake is looking a little rough. Got that scar. Looks like he's been eating that McDonald's a little more. <laughs> Still got some baggy <laughs> sleeves though. A girl yeah, show <laughs> carrying some extra timber in this one. <laughs> a girl shows up and Blake offers her some of his McRib, but it's a trick. Blake is a bounty McRib. <laughs> Sulin backstory. Gauda Prime is a home planet. Hey, finally get some rare interplay between Orek and a ship's computer. Good stuff. Orak, a formal application was laid before the High Council on Earth within the last 30 days. I can get you the exact date. Slave, I don't wish to interrupt, Master. Orak, then kindly don't. Slave, I wasn't talking to you. Orak, you were attempting to override a superior system. Be silent. Even more delicious <laughs> considering he's the same actor talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. Polished off with Avon's famous thieves, killer, mercenaries, psychopath speech. Glorious. He attached another picture. And then the space poop hits the space van as Scorpio is jumped by ships over Gauda Prime. Villa comes up with the teleport idea and we really get a sense of finality as Tarrant demonstrates some piloting skills for once. Avon says goodbye Tarrant as he and Orak teleport off. Pretty spectacular model work in the Scorpio crash footage as Tarrant's console slides around like bumper cars and he Wilhelm screams off stage right. <laughs> Scorpio looks total. This slave gives a sad farewell report that no one hears. This last word is Tarrant, which might be the saddest last word ever. Mm. I and, agree, Sergeant Drano. <laughs> unless you mean saddest is in like no, lamest. Think, no, no, I'm, yeah, she probably does mean that that way. And but. at last they meet Blake and the Blando, weaker, less interesting version of Blake. <laughs> Ironically, neither knows who the other is, or do they? <laughs> Meanwhile, Avon murders a couple of guys and everybody gets on flyers and flies. 
Blake does a callback to Jenna, claiming that she self-destructed while running a blockade. Hmm. Villa, sooner or later, we're going to drop into one of these holes in the ground and never come out. Sooner or later, everyone does that. Villa, hmm. Blake's yeah, there's lo- loads of uh, mm-hmm. uh, mentions of death in this episode, aren't there, before, before it all happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. Blake delivers Tarrant, reveals that he hurts Slave and knows who Tarrant is. Tarrant manages to run off, and we get the reveal that Blake is actually recruiting a new resistance, but unfortunately, Blake has some major trust issues these days, and it's going to cost everyone. Tarrant finds the crew tattles on what he thinks he knows, and tragedy ensues. Avon's got trust issues too, and just can't cope with the possibility that Blake may have betrayed him. But apparently, they're all left anyway, since Ireland turns out to be a federation. Troops swarm in, and the song What You Say swells in the background of our character. <laughs> is a gun down one by one. Avon gets to do his cowboy thing one last time, goons, and we cut to credits with gunfire blasting. Wow. Like many fans at the time, it was really hard for me to accept that they're all dead. Fans would come up with inventive theories as to how some of them or all of them might survive. It's, <laughs> it's been said at the end was left a little ambiguous precisely for that purpose, except for Blake's bloody gunning down by Avon. Huh. Apparently... <laughs> Apparently, Harrison Ford insisted that his character would be definitely killed off so they would not have any way to bring him back in other terrible sequels. It's an interesting <laughs> sidebar you got going on there, Drano. It's something that was unusual for a series to do and certainly remains one of the most famous or infamous aspects of Blake 7. Trivia, the character Klein was played by Janet Lee's Price wife of Paul Darrow. Uh, Jim mentioned that. I'm fairly certain that Avon guns are down in this episode, meeting the Paul Darrow killed his wife on screen. Nice, yeah, we made a lot of jokes about that. <laughs> so what do you think? Sounds like both of you were spoiled on the general outcome of this, if not the specifics. That's a bit unfortunate. I'll never forget the impact it had on me going in blind the first time. It's not a perfect episode, but still has some very strong moments. I'll definitely round it up to 7 out of 7. Uh, now that you've seen it, it's time for you to watch this. It's a, a link to Lex Season 1, Episode 1. Wow. Looking forward to the way forward, <laughs> getting my ultimate Series E ready. Thank you. Namaste and good luck. Sergeant Janus Station 7 in the door. P.S. Speaking of the way forward, I again urge you to give Lex a shot. I think it would be an excellent fit. Submitted for your approval, Part 1 of the epic story that is Lex. <laughs> I actually think that first YouTube video is something different and that my email client is just displaying it as the second YouTube link, which is is Lex. Uh, Let me actually see what this first YouTube link is, just at the end here, at the end of this episode. Blake 7, the story of Avon and Blake. Uh, I I don't really want to watch the three-minute video right now. We'll come back to that later. And then I could be wrong, but I suspect you have difficulty taking your eyes off it. Okay, so that's uh, our email from Sergeant Drano. And that wraps up yeah, uh, you, Blake Jano. episode. Thank you, Sergeant Drano. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, thanks a bunch. For finding the time to be on with us. I know it was a oh. bit of a struggle to figure out how to get you on the show, but I'm really glad we were able to figure it out in the yeah, end. definitely. Well, we couldn't have left it any later, could we? <laughs> <laughs> there's, still two, there's still one more episode you could have been on. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, no, but I'm really glad we uh, fi- figured it out. Yeah. Got you yeah, on. it's great. I know. I really enjoyed that. It's, uh, I've really enjoyed listening to you, you know, throughout all these all these Blake 7 episodes it's been really fun I'm glad to actually get on it as well so thanks thanks, thanks yeah. for the opportunity thank you, thank you for being on alright so it's a week since we recorded with Jim we have one pretty short email from RG that includes a fantasy Blake 7 which you guys will be able to actually listen to because it's an audio in a couple weeks uh, and a couple quick points about Blake that we just want to hit here and get in this episode since this is the episode about Blake <laughs> So the only things I have to say about Blake are, one, I finally got to see Blake. It had always been Avon's five for me as I started watching in Series C. Blake was in Terminal, though. Blake, what? Blake was in Terminal. Not, not Terminal was the end of Series C, wasn't it? Yeah. Blake was in yeah. there. Yeah, 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 he was. Huh. Maybe that was just the Blake. Well, it wasn't. I mean, Garrett I mean, Thomas was But she's saying she finally Gary got Thomas to see Blake. Yeah. Well, Blake himself. We don't know who that was in, in oh, Terminal. Oh, well, it looked like Blake. We don't know who it was in Blake either. 
Blake really? made up the most complicated system to determine whether or not someone was working for the Federation. <laughs> Three, who would have ever thought that would go wrong? Four, did you forget that Avon hated his guts? Why on earth didn't you realize he would get shot? Maybe he did. Maybe he wanted to die. Five. No, I don't. I don't think. Well, yeah, they, there was a love-hate relationship between Blake and Avon. Five. I was in complete shock when the episode came to a close. I just sat there for a couple minutes with my mind going, "What is this? I don't even." Same I did here. that with an audio drama I listened to one time. <laughs> Six. I was sure that Serverland would step out of somewhere and commend her troopers for finishing off Blake's crew. It was a real shame not to see you in the final episode. Yeah, but I think it would have been too I mean, bloated if she yeah, showed no, up. Yeah, no, I think yeah, we kind of we sort of touched on that our own opinions, which you don't have to agree with. <laughs> oh boy! Thank you for all your time you spent making your Zenith podcast. It's been a highlight of each week for me. If you decide to do another new podcast, for example, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, hint, hint. <laughs> I look forward to hearing more of your insight and humor. Down and oh god, not the Federation. Arg, RG. Well, thank you, RG, for thank you, RG, helping make the podcast better, both by corresponding with every us. week and being on the podcast itself. Right. Thank you for being a valued member of the community. <laughs> we value all the members of our community. I don't want to. Anyway, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, like, but actually, like, all the correspondence and like uh, oh, yeah, engagement been... we've got with Zenith has like actually motivated us to. <laughs> care about to, this podcast to care about this podcast and try and make it better and yeah. it's i mean it was a real big surprise about how much correspondence we got from this podcast i yeah. guess coming from trusted doctor where we barely got any yeah just to see all these people so passionate about blake seven reaching out and i mean it made the podcast a lot more fun in my opinion too oh yeah kind of sad it's coming to an end <laughs> so that's uh that's it for correspondence this week Presumably, you'll have already listened to, based on how I edit this, our response to Sergeant Drano with Jim. And before we cut back to that, we just got uh, one quick note we want to put in here about yeah. just Gisette Simon, Dana <laughs> controversy. Yeah, there's, this has been sort of a, a point of contention, and I think that contention stems from two pieces of information that were not put together. So... I don't want to go back and revise anything or try and rewrite what anyone said. For sure, don't want to do that. I just want to put two things together. So, so just read off here. Some sources out there, including IMDb, have claimed that Simon has not returned for audios, Blake 7 audios, that is, because she found the role of Dana sexist and racist. Gisette Simon has repeatedly denied these claims. Her explanation for years has been that she basically wants to move forward as an actor. So that's what she's said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not here to indoctrinate anyone. You you can believe whatever you, you want based on information. And, um, right. yeah, but, but again, don't want to revise anything that anyone said. Just wanted to put those two pieces of information together. And again, thank you to both of the people who provided that information. Right. And I guess the main takeaway is that Gisette Simon doesn't want to return to the role. And, and you know, you can believe what you want about what reasoning behind that but yeah. and I have, that's up to you yeah. to decide really right <laughs> we're not going to tell you what's fact yeah i mean i have my own beliefs about yeah, this I mean, I, i'm not going to disclose but. my own ideas about this but anyway so now with Two that facts. out of the way back to uh, us closing out the episode with jim and if you'd like to shamelessly plug uh, your yourself your podcast uh, this is yes. your time this is your shining moment, Jim. 
<laughs> right, everyone turn off now. You don't want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the Crinoid podcast with uh, uh, my friend Martin. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we, we do... Uh, uh, it's similar in format to this, isn't it, really? Uh, but it's um, a classic Doctor Who episode each month. It's a monthly podcast, and Martin and I go into like far too much detail on, on every little bit about the uh, each episode. Uh, 112 episodes in so far. We've got a long way to go, but um, it's fun. They're long podcasts, so uh, if you have... Uh, maybe any time for half hour podcasts, we might not be for you, but if you like uh, long walks or you have a long commute, then we might be exactly what you want. So it's the Crinoid Podcast, K-R-Y-N-O-I-D, Crinoid Podcast. is uh, named after a big leafy monster, Doctor Who, <laughs> uh, and you can look us up on Facebook and Twitter under that name. Thanks very much. The plug is over. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you would like to email us, reach us at the doctor, com. Questions, comments, concerns, thank you, man. Love letters. Get your thoughts in soon so we can get them into the final episode of the show. Uh, your fantasy, Blake 7, etc. Who do you think lived in this? Who do you think died? Save on dead? I mean, What's I think they're on? all dead, but my fantasy series E, they all live, mm. and that's why it's called fantasy. <laughs> I think realistically they're all dead. But anyway, you can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith Bullock 7 Podcast. Be sure to leave a rating if you liked the show. Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're going to be listening to the 40th anniversary audio, The Way Ahead. But thanks again, Jim. Thank you again, Jim, for being on. We, I had a Thank good you. time. I want to speak for you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, and <laughs> until then, the end. <laughs>